0: The reading of the scriptures from Genesis chapter 26, reading verses 1 to 11. I uh, would delight to have uh, the scriptures. May God, as always, give faith both in the reading and the hearing of them. So from Genesis chapter 26. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar, when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say, My wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he'd been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with his with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might have easily lain with your life, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And it's the word of the Lord. Praise thanks be to God. I invite you to join me in a time of uh, prayer again. O oh, Father, we bow again uh, before you to worship. You are great and greatly to be praised. With our worship, we give thanks to you, O oh, Father, for your fatherly care, your goodness and loving kindness to us, first in delivering us from the domain of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And we worship the Son, the beloved one, who came down from heaven for us and for our salvation and for the gift of the Spirit of God, the giver of life. So much are we to be thankful for, fatherly care, daily bread, salvation, and what awaits for us, glory. Thank you for the privilege of praying for the needs among us. Uh, Bless those who are sick or ill at home. Uh, Bless all that's being done for their bodily health, that it may be well with their physical uh, wellness as well as with their souls. Uh, Bless our homes, our children, our grandchildren. Uh, Oh God, we beseech you on their behalf that we would have the great joy in this life of seeing our children and grandchildren walking in the truth. Protect all of us from the dangers in this fallen world, from the spread of lawlessness, disease, but more so all of the spiritual dangers that surround us. Bless us as a congregation that we might love one another sincerely. Together, we might be salt and light in the community where you have gathered us. More than that, we all come with various needs uh, that we are holding in our own breast. We ask you to minister to them as you see best, well, and good. Intervene. Make haste, O God. Make haste to come to our help. And so, Father, we have come now to hear the Word, Your Word, firmly fixed forever in the heavens. Bless it to us through the ministry of Phil primarily the ministry of the Spirit of God, to open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your law, and then move us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to bring glory and honor to the eternal word, even Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Thy will be done.
1: Lord, hear our prayers. There are always uh, occasions and uh, reasons in life to uh, to be anxious and to be fearful, uh, except for the fact that we, as God's children, uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, have His promises. And uh, those promises uh, we are watching, passing from Abraham to his son, another generation. uh, And we know that we are tracing uh, God's uh, covenanted uh, descendants uh, because of Christ, and eventually they will break upon Christ Himself, uh, and all of the promises that accrue to us, uh, spiritually speaking, are because of Christ. Uh, remind you the words of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter one, that uh, uh, we we have uh, spiritual promises from Him. Uh, the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, because He delivered up His son for us how shall he not also freely give us all things so yes i will tell you as an individual i'm oftentimes afraid because of the exigencies of life uh, the fallenness of my nature but uh, what should check all of us are the great promises of god and we uh, see them uh, this morning uh, in the son of abraham isaac Uh, in verses one to six, the call and promises are renewed with Isaac. Nothing changes. Uh, they're simply a seamless continuation of the great covenantal promises from Abraham to his son. And yet, like you and me, he fails to apprehend the reality of them in his personal life, verses seven to 11. So there's a tension here, the great promises of God delivered to his sons. There's a test and there's a failure of the test. Well, let's uh, begin with the continuation of the promises uh, to Isaac, uh, verses 1 to 6. Historic setting is a famine, uh, it's an occasion for fear. Um, we don't experience that. Uh, I don't think in America, but certainly there have been times in our country we have. Uh, think of the occasion for uh, great um, famine, uh, say, during uh, the lack of rain here in Oklahoma decades ago and the great storms of uh, dust that would simply black out the sun, how depressing that must have been. But nonetheless, God always provides Uh, for his sons Uh, an occasion for fear because of a famine Uh, it's a repetition of something is it not his father had the same fear there was a famine it moved him Uh, chapter 12 verse 10 Uh, I would remind you something it's much more pronounced in our country today Uh, I don't think we're facing a famine, at least uh, not one that I'm aware of, but there is a famine, a greater famine, uh, is there not? Uh, Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or thirst for water, but rather for hearing of the words of the Lord. And the people will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east and will go to and fro and seek the Word of the Lord. They will not find it. It is a, it is a reminder that there is an incredible famine of the faithful preaching of the Word of the Lord and there's also a great, great famine for the faithful hearing and obeying in the Word of the Lord. You should always be mindful of that and give attention to the Scriptures and ask God to provoke your faith, not just to hear them, but to do them. Uh, In our case, uh, here in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac moves to Gerar, where Abimelech is king. Uh, As you know, the word uh, Abimelech is literally my father is king. Uh, We know it's a court name. It's a dynasty name. It's not the same Abimelech That Abraham confronted. Uh, It's a dynastic name. Uh, And God appears to Isaac just like he appeared to Abraham, chapter 12, verse 7. Uh, It's important to recognize that he has appeared to us in the incarnation. The Word, the eternal Word, Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. We also have God's divine revelation, a written record transmitted throughout the ages of God's way of salvation. Uh, he commands Isaac not to go down to Egypt, but to stay and to live in Canaan. And then a cascade of promises follow. Very interesting It reminds you, same promises God gave to his father. No change. And those promises ultimately come to us and are fulfilled in us because of Christ. Who, as you know, was a descendant of Abraham. He is the true, promised descendant. In the Advent season, we should grasp the majesty of that and God's goodness to each of us because of Christ. The true descendant. Notice notice the promises uh, that break upon uh, Isaac. I will will bless you. I'll be with you. I will give to you. I will establish you. I will multiply you. So inherent within all of these promises of God is a continuation of the covenantal line. Ultimately, Uh, Blessing to all the nations. Breaks upon us in Christ. The promise of the Gospel goes to the Gentiles. Christ is a light to the nations. The apostle to the Gentiles, uh, Paul, uh, was a light to the nations. Based upon what? Uh, The oath of the covenant that God made to Abraham. God's faithfulness to His Word. That's one of the great reasons that many, many causes in life that cause us to fear and be anxious. Uh, we should be checked by God's promises in His covenant with us through Jesus Christ, His eternal Son. And the fact that Abraham obeyed uh, the word of the Lord. It's a reminder sons don't need to be afraid. Uh, they simply need to obey God in His Word. Uh, promises and obedience go together. Again, fulfillment for us is in Christ, uh, the genius of the Apostle Paul in the epis, uh, Galatian epistle. Those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And you, since you belong to Christ, are Abraham's offspring. So we are simply studying here a microcosm of what God is going to do to Isaac, but we know the greater fulfillment is in Christ. That you and I worship as the Son of God. That by faith in Him, we have all of these covenantal promises. So God is always true to His Word. And again, sons don't need to fear. They just simply need to walk with God and remember His promises. Uh, It's very interesting for you to... uh, look very quickly at the text. Uh, Verse 3, I will be with you. In every case, the first person singular pronoun, God is speaking. I will be with you. In other words, God is going to make it happen. The presence of God is going to be with Isaac. The presence of God is with us. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age so that our security is tied to what our brilliance uh, our intelligence our strength no the grace of god in his son faith in his son and the exemplary life albeit imperfect of his father abraham is paraded before him as a sign and seal that his god was faithful to his father He will be faithful to him. Uh, Verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Notice the direct object. Abraham kept. Abraham obeyed. Charges, commandments, statutes, and laws. It's a recurring theme in all the Scriptures. Uh, We find it uh, rehearsed uh, before the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. Another very prominent place where it's rehearsed for us is Psalm 119. The magnificent central importance of the word of God. God speaks. He promises. Therefore, sons don't need to be afraid. They should fear the Lord and walk in obedience. So Isaac has a charge to obey just like his father. And again, sons and obedience go together. It's the importance of the Word. It's also the importance of our response to the Word. Because disobedience is a rejection of the Word of God. We do the opposite. Uh, Very significant uh, reminder of this. uh, uh, great book of wisdom. uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 1. Uh, You know, contextually, over and over again, the young man is charged to follow the Word of God. He's charged to obey, to give attention to the wisdom taught to him by his father and his mother. So his parents are discharging to him uh, his duty before God. Oftentimes, there are sons who do not obey. In verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 1, we learn of a son and the disaster that breaks upon him because he is disobedient. Verse 22, Proverbs chapter 1. How long, O naive ones, will you love simplicity and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you and make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and did not want my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. You will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me. Simply a reduplication of Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. God gives to us his word. We need to respond properly to it. If we reject it, eventually great danger will come upon us. The importance of obeying the word of the Lord in light of the consequences of disobedience. Well, Isaac obeys. He believes. He lives in Gerar. foundation of the Gospel for us is that Christ obeyed all of the Word of the Lord. All of the commandments of God. He obeyed everything. He discharged every duty under the law. The importance of that is the merits of His obedience accrue to us as we believe in Him. So that God accepts us as sons Not because of our obedience, but because of the obedience that was charged to our account based upon the obedience of the eternal Son. And as we obey Him, we give evidence that we believe and hope in the covenantal promises that are passed to us through Christ, the greater Son. It's a beautiful illustration of this. Uh, perhaps some of you have heard it in uh, the Presbyterian Greek scholar Machin. Uh, Machin, as you know, uh, eventually broke with uh, his seminary, Princeton, and went to start Westminster Seminary uh, because he had the great duty to be faithful to the great confessional standards and the word of the Lord. Uh, Machin takes a trip to the Dakotas and catches pneumonia, lying on his deathbed. Before he dies, he writes a note to John Murray, uh, who is uh, another great uh, scholar that would move from Princeton to Westminster to be faithful to the Word of God. And in that note, uh, Machin says, "Thank God for the active obedience of Christ." a reminder to all of us that's central to our faith. Is that Christ obeyed when we could not. And in all of his obedience, the merits of that is the very foundation of our salvation. Well, we fail, do we not? We're going to watch Isaac fail, and yet God continued to be faithful to him. We fail, but our salvation doesn't fail. Our God doesn't fail because Christ did not fail us in his act of obedience. So again, the entirety of our salvation breaking upon him and not us. Verses 7-11, to Isaac is tested and fails, but God continues to bless him with protection. Uh, All of us are tested throughout our lives. Uh, All of us are called to be faithful, to be loyal to God. That sons fail, and yet sons are forgiven, and yet must continue to obey, demonstrating that they are the sons of God. The irony of this failure is that Isaac has received all of the promises of God uh, and the promise certainty of the presence of God to protect him. But all of us as human beings understand. He, faces a test and uh, he was weak and momentary weakness, he failed. Uh, The test is uh, parallel to his father, is it not? We've we've studied this before, have we not? Abraham does the same thing. Uh, Abraham didn't just do it once, he did it twice. But Isaac is going to repeat the failure of his father. Abraham did in Egypt and again in Philistia because of the fear of man. One of the great failures of all of us is we've become afraid of what man can do to us. We have the promises of God of eternal life. We have the promises of God of consummate spiritual protection. But I get it, and you do too. We fail. We become weak in faith. And so, men ask Isaac about his wife. And he responds, she, She's my sister. Verse 7. Uh, same thing with Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was beautiful. Rebecca's beautiful. Very interesting, this word. In the, in the Hebrew Old Testament, it's literally the, the word uh, for good. Uh, but it can be translated beautiful. Uh, remind you of some of the very prominent places that's occurred in our study of the book of Genesis. Uh, Eve saw the tree, that it was beautiful. Again, literally good. Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God, the believers, saw the daughters of men who were outside of the covenant, that they were good. Beautiful. And so they were tempted and they fell. Uh, they, They mixed their faith and they bring corruption it ends up in the, uh, the great epic of the flood. Um, nothing wrong with beauty. But worldly beauty, the things that oftentimes entice us, we should be very careful of. That prominent with beauty, there must be faith and truth and adherence to the Word of the Lord. Now, beauty comes from the Word of the Lord and faithfulness to it. Uh, nonetheless like his father Isaac jeopardizes the promise How is he jeopardizing the promise because the covenantal line is to Isaac and Rebekah What would have happened had one of the men of the city taken her Well we know that can't happen because of the covenantal promises of God but more importantly because God's going to protect His son, in spite of himself. Think about that respecting your life. We all do forgive the word stupid. We all sin. But God is still faithful to us, faithful to his promises. Here he's going to be faithful to Isaac, he's going to protect him. It's a lesson for us. Be very careful. Uh, we live and walk in a very dangerous world filled with great, great spiritual danger. Uh, give attention to the Word. We don't need to be afraid. We just simply need to obey the Word of God. That God will be faithful. God is faithful. Faithfulness and God go together. So God comes in protection, uh, even in His disobedience. There's a word for that, is there not? It's called God's grace. God does not withdraw His grace from us. He is always merciful to His sons. Not a summons to license. It's a summons uh, to be humble before God's sovereign mercy and grace. After a season, Abimelech the king looks out and he sees Isaac sporting or playing with Rebekah. The verb is uh, is an intensive form in the Hebrew text of the verb to laugh. It's a wordplay on Isaac's name, which is to laugh, uh, reminding us God's covenantal promises. Uh, the form expresses to us here uh, the actions between husband and wife of a measure of intimacy, and Abimelech knows immediately this is not his sister. He's lied to me. He's put my people in danger out of fear of man. So the pagan king is going to rebuke Isaac the believer. It's a beautiful expression of God's mercy, how He reminds us in the affairs of life. But again, God comes in protection. God's grace and mercy that He expresses to all of us. Uh, I'm oftentimes reminded of uh, competing thought, theologies in the Christian world uh, that many believe that there are sins that cause us to fall away from God and for God to retreat and to depart from us. I don't believe that uh, because of the covenantal promises of God that cannot be broken. Because God cannot fail. He does not fail. And neither does He fail His sons. He keeps coming for them to rescue them. His expressions of his marvelous grace and mercy. So, Abimelech calls Isaac in for a little conference and rebukes him for jeopardizing his people with guilt and exposing the kingdom to the judgment of God. It's very tragic in our world today. This is a this a Gentile, uh, Canaanite king. but he has a measure of the fear of the Lord. Uh, Maybe he read in the history of his own kingdom that his forefather uh, became terrified of what God could do to him had he taken Sarah into his harem. And I don't really know, but there's a measure of transmission to him that he has a great fear of what God could do to him in his kingdom And any subject should they have violated Isaac's wife. It's interesting that the uh, irony of it is that the fear of the Lord by a pagan king uh, in a measure is somewhat greater than the fear of the Lord that Isaac should have had. Sometimes the world does rebuke us. Uh, The tragedy of our culture today is uh, we are all the more lawless. Uh, We could care less about who we violate, about whose laws we trample upon. Uh, But this king, Abimelech, knew better. He makes a civil law to preserve the marriage. Uh, By the way, uh, there is uh, an impeccable reminder here for all of us. The family life, engaging a man and a woman in husband and wife, That comes to us from Genesis chapter 2 is essential to the continuation of the covenantal promises. And by the way, essential to civilization. How do we know that? Genesis chapter 19, judgment upon Sodom. But the grace of God has a remnant that always carries on in obedience. Grace and obedience. Sons don't need to fear, they do need to obey. And yet the treasure of God in his sovereign grace. So the king's law is that whoever touches Rebekah will surely die. We've seen that before, have we not? Whoever eats of this fruit will surely die. Uh, in the Hebrew text, it's um, a very interesting verbal construction. Uh, tense of the verb uh, with uh, an infinitive of the same verb. We don't translate it literally. uh, Dying you shall die. We simply, you shall surely die. The inevitability of death for those who transgress the law of God. The inevitability of death for those who violate his moral laws that engage civilization. Uh, Our reminder to us here. Is that God does not need us to play false with his promises. He simply needs us to believe them, to hope in them, and to walk in light of them. And that God will protect and keep us. It's the duty of sons. As God is loyal to us, we should be loyal to him. So the promises continue for us today, and so must obedience. I know you get afraid because it's a product of our fallen natures. I get afraid. We all fear different events in life. But God's promises never change. Uh, I'm personally very fond of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and Um, 4. The prophet says, You will keep the man of steadfastness fast purpose, and perfect peace because He trusts in you. And so trust in the Lord forever because in God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. So we trust in God because He is an immovable rock, an immovable mountain. His promises are steadfast and sure and certain. They cannot be moved. That is our everlasting rock. You get afraid to remember that. It's, I think, a a measure a source of peace. If we have God in His Word that it is immovable, unchangeable, if you will, immutable, intractable, and that God never lies, then He will care for us. And so we can live a life of peace. And peace is the outcome for the man who trusts God. And we must trust him each and every day. In this life, we will never graduate from tests that come upon us. And yet God never leaves us. He is with us always, keeping us, preserving us, and protecting us. Sometimes when we fail him, just as Isaac uh, just did importance of that is a reminder, is it not? Our peace comes from the Prince of Peace, who is the very source, the very rock of our salvation. So God deals with us mercifully and graciously based upon what? Christ. Christ, our rock. It's the outcome for the man who trusts God. We must do that each and every day. We'll never graduate from a life of faith, hoping and trusting in Him. Uh, and the reason uh, that we can do that is because He is steadfast. His purposes are fixed, steady, immovable, like a rock. Uh, the context, Isaiah chapter 26, is in the larger message of judgment. God's going to judge the nation. Why is he going to judge the nation? Chapters 1 to 39. Because they've become idolatrous. They haven't trusted him. They've trusted in idols. They are self-assured and reliant that they do not need God. But God's going to change that. But in the midst of the larger message of judgment of chapters 1 to 39, there is a man who is different, a true remnant. In the greater nation who trusts in God irrespective of circumstances, and he receives the promise of peace. Why? Because God is an immovable rock. Another reminder from the Psalter, uh, Psalm 103. Verse 13, Just as a father has compassion on his children, So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, mindful that we are but dust. But God is compassionate, merciful to us, good to us, gracious to us. Reading verses 17 and 18. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and who remember His precepts to do them. Describes our nature as sons. And sons obey. And sons have peace because of their God. We're to be mindful that God is our rock, and that He knows that we are but dust. We come from dust, we will return to dust, and sometimes we act like we're children of dust, but we are children of the sons of promise, and God is our rock. Psalm 112, verses six to eight, speaking of uh, the Son of God, who hopes in the Lord, who has His promises, they are His treasure. They govern his heart. For he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction upon his enemies. This is a man who does not fear because God is his rock. Sons don't need to fear. They just simply need to obey. Reminder of the importance of the Word of the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, 19th century Reformed Baptist, great preacher in England, says this to us as our reminder and compression of all of the theology of this text today. The past you need not fear, it is forgiven. The present you need not fear. It is provided for. The future you need not fear. It is secured by the living power of Jesus. The rock who does not tremble when we do. We are sons. Let us remember our rock and all of His majestic promises. And they will keep us in this evil age. And God be praised because He is our rock and has been gracious to us uh, to make us His sons through Jesus Christ.